0: The following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us online at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday mornings at 9, 1030, or 12 in Pembroke Pines, Florida, or online at westpines.org. Well, it's so good to see you today. If you are our guest today, I just want to welcome you. Uh, my name is Roby. I'm one of the pastors, and you have come on a great Sunday. It is the finale of our series, You Belong Here. When you came in, you might have seen a tent out front. That's not a party in preparation for the Miami Dolphins game today. That needs prayer and fasting, people, okay? That's what that needs, um, no, that is to celebrate the kickoff of our ministry season. That means our our groups are launching um, this week. We've got our, our women's groups launching over the next couple weeks, men's groups. You're going to be hearing a lot more about that, and so excited to, um, to have the finale of that. But before we jump into our Bible study um, in just a moment this morning, I want to give you just one update, and it's especially a, kind of an interesting dynamic we want to just bring the whole church in on on a time when we're talking about um, how we all belong together. And it's what God has been doing through our live stream experience. As you know, um, you can watch our services live online. We have many joining us. And just what we've seen God do in this calendar year, it's one of those things that when God moves so often, we're just trying to keep up with what God is doing. And so I just wanted to celebrate all that and share with you some things, because you may not realize that every week, hundreds of people are joining and watching and worshiping with us live online. Sometimes that's people who live locally but are traveling. Sometimes that are, is people that when they are... Um you know, people that are checking out West Pines for the first time, maybe they're, they're watching online. But there are people um, that feel connected to our church that don't even live locally. And I just kind of want to show you this dynamic because we've been blown away at what God's been doing just in these last nine months. And so check out this slide. I want you to pull a map up here um, on the screen. Those states in blue are the states where we have had people tune in to your church service, West Pine service, just in this calendar year, 2018. Check that out. That is 44 of the 50 states just in 2018. That's incredible. Now, I don't know like what's going on in West Virginia. Like I don't know why there's some kind of embargo. But if you know someone in West Virginia, okay, you need to talk to those people, all right? So, but one of the things that we've been talking about is how um, when, if you can impact South Florida, then you can, if you can transform South Florida, you can impact the world. And that just, South Florida has like a platform that reaches around. And so let me show you another map. This is, um, go ahead and bring it up. These are countries around the world that have tuned into your church on a Sunday morning just this calendar year. That is 29 countries around the world. And many of those have people that are regularly watching each week and see uh, West Pines as their church home. And so what we just want to say, all of you who are watching live online, we love you. We feel like you belong here. You're part of our church. And um, one thing I just want to celebrate together is... Every generation of Christian has been called to innovation, has been called to say, okay, how can we leverage the the innovative technology of our day to get the message of the gospel out to this world? So many generations ago, there was this newfangled thing called the printing press, And they say, hey, what if we stopped copying Bibles like by hand, and we could start getting Bibles out all over the place? And we just take that generation's innovation for granted. And we stand in a very innovative generation that is saying, how can we leverage video and the internet to get the message of the gospel? And is that impacting? Will will like the gospel, and will uh, preaching, and will worship, and will church community be trans translated through a video? And here's what I want to share with you: one of the most Exciting things um, that's happened in our church this past year. Just in 2018, people watching online, 142 of them have made professions of faith watching online. Isn't that incredible? And and behind each one of those clicks, I mean, we, we sometimes it's it's maybe one person watching in a coffee shop or at their desk, but sometimes it's a living room full of people watching, and so we have no idea all the stories that are going on behind that, but last week we had, as we were talking about groups and the groups push that, that we're in in this series, we had people online saying, um, typing in saying, hey, what about an online group? Like, how do I get in a community group if I don't live locally? And now it's one of those things, okay, God's ahead of us, and we're trying to catch up. Like, okay, yeah, we're, we're on it. We're trying to figure out how to do an online group now. And so um, just one of those exciting things that wanted to celebrate um, together as a church. And so let me just um, thank the Lord for that. Let me just pray, thank the Lord for that, and we will jump into the Scripture together this morning. Would you Would you pray with me? Lord, we're just in awe that you want to use us. Thank you for what you're doing through us as your church. And Lord, thank you that you choose to use us imperfect people to get your perfect message of the gospel out to this world and out to our community. We ask that you would even continue to do even greater things through you. We, sur- we surrender to you, Lord. And Lord, we just ask that you would speak um, through your scripture to us this morning and pray that you do powerful things this fall. And we lift this up in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to think back about the nicknames that you've had over the years. Inevitably, whether it's in your family, friend group, a sports team, a club, maybe in college, you've had nicknames. Now, some of them bring a smile to your face like, yeah, I kind of like that. Some of them, you're still trying to get over the trauma of what's been done to you for the nickname that you've been given. And nicknames are kind of that, a funny dynamic. And um, I remember when I went off to college, that's where I met my wife, Rebecca. And I remember I was away at college and I, I lived in a dorm. It was an all guys dorm and a floor just full of about 80 guys. And when we as incoming freshmen got there, they said, hey, if you have a nickname that you go by, tell us now because we're going to give you one and you might not like what you get stuck with for the next four years. Okay. And so I remember that being the dynamic, I can think back and there are people I knew well for four years, like lived across the hall from me and I never actually knew their real name. I only went by their nickname. So for example, a good friend of mine, and I'm kind of embarrassed, he was a good friend of mine. To this day, I have no idea what his real name was. But his nickname was Tiny. Now, oftentimes nicknames come from you know, something about you and it's usually like a prominent thing about you. And his nickname was Tiny. And the reason for that is because he was 6'5", by 6'5", okay? <laughs> Massive individual and I have only ever knew him by the nickname Tiny. Everyone knew him by that nickname. But there's this other dynamic about nicknames. When you have one, when a group gives you one, You know you're in. You know what I'm talking about? That's why like the closer the group is, the more likely there's nicknames. Like in my family, like the number of nicknames I have for Rebecca or for each of my kids, you know, for my my siblings, you know, for the number of nicknames you have for the people you're closest to. When you get a nickname, like there's almost something relationally intimate about that. You know you're in. You know you belong in that group. And that feeling of belonging is something that is so powerful for us as human beings. Every single one of us, whether introverted, extroverted, people person, not a people person, every one of us has this drive to want to belong. And sometimes we don't necessarily, like, it's readily aware of it until it's missing. But every one of us has this desire to belong. And so if you've ever noticed that desire inside of you, I want you to take note of what the passage we're studying says, because it says something profound about this desire to belong and how that works. I want you to open in your Bible or your Bible app to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to read a couple verses, just two verses today as we're wrapping up our series. 1 John chapter 4, excuse me, starting in verse 11. This is what it says, 1 John 4, verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is, what's that next word? His love is perfected in us. Okay, now I want to read through those verses again because there's a couple things I just want you to make mental note of. Let me read this again. Um, Let's start in verse 11. Look what it says. Beloved. All right, take note of that. Beloved. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I want you to notice the order there. Take note of that. If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God if we love one another, God abides in us and, now take note of this, his love is perfected in us. Now, when you first read through that, that section, I mean, it's just, what a nice couple verses. They're just nice. I'm going to make a meme of it later, have some cuddly kittens on it, and just put it up on Instagram. Okay, what a nice, and just crochet a pillow with those verses on it. You know, that just they, they're so inspiring, okay. But there's so much more in here. Like these are, these are profound. These are game-changing truths. These are course-altering. Like these, like take our lives and we were living this way. And if we can get a hold of these, we're like going the other direction. These are unbelievable truths. And I want us to just experience the power of these as we've been digging them out the last couple weeks. The first thing is that he, he, he gives us a nickname. Did you see that? He gave you a nickname. You're in. The Bible gives you a name. There's this intimacy here. From the Bible's perspective, you have a nickname. Now, where do nicknames come from? We just talked about it. There is a quality or attribute about you that is so obvious and so prominent, from the Bible's perspective, it's like the first thing it sees about you, and so it's calling you by a nickname. And you know what that nickname is? Beloved. It's saying like the, the attribute about you, if the Bible had eyes and it looks at you, it's like, I just can't get over this attribute. I'm just gonna call you this. Beloved. One loved by God. Can you just let that sink in for a second? Not, yeah, God kind of loves you because you're his creation and he has to. Not, you know, he likes you. I mean, he made you after all. So, you know, he likes what he did with you there. You know, he, it's not that. He's saying his love for you is, is so obvious and overwhelming and so thorough that I'm just going to call you that Beloved. In fact, what the Bible says is, whatever you're thinking, as that is kind of sinking in and shifting your identity for a second. Beloved. As that's just kind of like sinking in, I want, to hear, I want you to hear what the Bible says. The Bible prays Paul when he's writing in Ephesians that we could just be able to grasp the height and depth and length and breadth of the love of God. The Bible says things like this, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, like as far as the edge of the universe is to like where the planet is right now, like that's how great the love of the Father is for you. So in other words, as that truth that you are beloved is sinking in, like whatever is emerging in your mind about how loved you are by God, you're not even close. It is such a prominent attribute, it is your nickname, beloved. Second thing I wanted you to take a note of is he said, if God so loved us, did you notice the order here? This is so key. He says, if God so loved us, then we ought to love other people. Did you see that? Because we might say, yeah, I know, I, I got you. But so often how we operate is If I love a little better, then God will love me. And this passage flips that on its head in another verse that we talked about last week. It says, God, explicitly clear, God first loves us. This is the message that is fundamentally different about the Bible. I mean, you got to hear me on this. What the Bible teaches is something so profound it is fundamentally different than any other system of thought in human history. Because there's there's basic religion that basically operates like this. Basic religion says, here's the list that you have to do to make God happy. you got to treat people like this. Definitely don't do any of the thou shalt nots for whatever those that list happens to be for the particular religion. You gotta you gotta not do these things. You gotta make sure you do these things. And if you do these things, then you're in with God. In other words, the religion religion teaches this. Do these things and it makes you lovable to God, and then God loves you. So if you've ever said, look, maybe you've been in that position where you've said, look. I know about Jesus, and I, I I think I believe in jesus i 'm just not sure that i 'm saved like i 'm not sure like have I done enough good to get to heaven? like how good do you have to be to get to heaven? what most religions teach and what most common th- People think, like what our natural instincts are to think, is it's basically like God looks at us and says, Okay, I'm gonna take all your good stuff and all your bad stuff and I'm gonna weigh them and see which direction you tipped in. And if you did enough good stuff, then you're in. I'm gonna weigh all your loving actions, that time you helped the old lady across the street with their groceries, okay? And all your bad actions, the time you tripped the old lady crossing across the street with her groceries, okay? We've all been there, all right? <laughs> I'm going to weigh, I'm just kidding, I'm a pastor, I've never done that, okay, he says, I'm going to take all your good things, take all your bad things, this is what we typically think, take all your good things and all your bad things, and I'm going to weigh them, and if you're just a little more loving than unloving, then you're in, and so then we have the stress of, okay, I got to make sure I'm loving enough, and make sure I do all these things, and we, we we make it like it's this list that we're living up to, as if we're trying to become lovable, but it's something completely opposite. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we realize I I know like the parts of my my heart that are selfish. I know that parts of my heart that are prideful. I know that parts of of the things that I've done that I, I regret. And like if we're honest with ourselves, we know that we're not lovable and we wonder if we're lovable. And so we try to work harder and harder and harder to get ourselves lovable so that, well, if I just do this, this, and this, then God will love me. Or we say this as Christians. Sometimes we're tempted to think, man, Christian, I mean, you want God to answer your prayers? Well, I mean, look how you're living. I mean, clean up your life, and then he'll start listening to your prayers, Christian, you want God to bless you? I mean, then be a little more loving to your spouse and a little more loving with your kids, and then he'll bless you. You want God to be for you? You want God to bless your career? Well, how are you loving people at at work? I mean, you, you want God to accept you and be behind you and work all things together for you? You want God to do those things? Love better, and he'll start doing those things. That's how we operate, But that's not what this said. Did you see the profound shift that this did? It flips it on its head. The message of the gospel, it's hard to even qualify it as a religion because it's so fundamentally different. It says this, that God looks down at us, holy, ultimate, almighty God looks down at us and he knows that we're unlovable. He knows those parts of our hearts that we'd like to hide. He knows those things that we have. And he says, I love them so much. I love you so much that I'm going to sacrifice myself. God comes to earth. God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, dies on the cross and rises again from the dead. To pay for our sins, washing us clean of all of our sins, past, present, and future. He says, I love you so much. Could there ever be a greater, more extravagant demonstration of love? than God Almighty sacrificing himself for us. And he says, I'm doing that for you while you're unlovable. You didn't get lovable first. I loved you first, accepted you first, sacrificed for you while you were in your sin. I loved you first and out of that love, we love one another. And what this passage teaches is that if we have understood the gospel, that message of love of Jesus, that he loves us first, if we've understood the gospel, then we will, without fail, love will start flowing out of us. In fact, to the point where love becomes the most noticeable family trait of followers of Christ. In fact, look at how Jesus said this. This is in John 13, 35. These are Jesus' words. Look at this. He says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Can you, can you just hear that? He says, Here's the marker. He says, when the world is watching, they'll say, oh, that guy must be one of those Christians because, you know, they believe that God loves them just so extravagantly. That's why that guy is just such a loving person. That must be one of those Christians. The defining mark is how we love each other. Man, that community, they love each other so well. You know what? That family loves each other so well. That, that, those friend groups, they love each other so much. Well. They must be one of those Christ follower groups. That's what Jesus says. All right, now can I just shoot you straight here for a second and just be honest? Can I just say something you're probably not supposed to say in church? Have you ever felt like the more religious a person is, it just seems like the less they love well. Have you ever had that experience where you're like, you're at work, and that other Christian that works there is you kind of cringe because they're like the most difficult person in the office to work with? You ever had that experience where you have that that other extended family member that's one of the few Christians in your extended family and they're that other family member and they're so difficult and you're like, how are we worshiping like the same thing here? Like, how is this, you know? Have you ever stopped and realized you're that person too? Like, why is it that sometime like, Like, just to be honest, like, does our culture say, I'll tell you, the number one thing you can say about Christians, you can say a lot of things, but they love so well. Because that's what Jesus said. So what's the dynamic here? And here's what this passage, it helps us unpack what that dynamic is. Because I think that there are some people and there's maybe seasons of our lives. Okay, there are some people that know Jesus. Jesus is their savior. They've put their faith in Jesus. They believe Jesus saves them from their sins. And the that message of the gospel is what started them or started us on our path to following Jesus. But then we scoop up all of the teachings of Jesus and twist them back into a religion. So in other words, like, yeah, Jesus saved me for eternity. And we, we're, we step in and realize his grace and mercy. And then we just by default fall back into, all right, I got to try hard today to make sure that God, that I do enough for God to approve of me, smile on me, love me, answer my prayers, bless me. I, I've got to do all these things to make sure. And some days I, I want, maybe some days I even doubt, am I going to make it to heaven? And I, and it's like, I've reverted. I started on the gospel and then reverted back into religion. And here's the problem. The gospel is fertile soil for love like this planet has never seen. But religion chokes out love every single time. And we take the message of Jesus and if we turn it back into religion we find it chokes out love, which is supposed to be the dominant character trait of following Jesus. And this passage tells us why. If my foundation is I have to be lovable to be loved by God, or in other words, self-righteousness, if my foundation is I've got to earn my way to get the love of God, I've got to earn my way to get to heaven, I've got to constantly not misstep, then I'm living a life. I wake up every morning while I know I've got Jesus and I'm following him, but I feel these weights on my shoulders. Even though Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, I wake up with these weights of anxiety and fear and guilt and shame of I'm such a wreck. I'm not who God wants me to be and, and I know he's not happy and I know he's mad and I, don't, I know you're not going to listen to my prayers and I'll try harder. Maybe if I do, maybe I'm like at church every Sunday for like two months and I read the Bible every single day and I don't mess up at all, then maybe God will start blessing me again. And it's just, it's just vacuumed out all peace and all joy and all rest in God. And as I'm going around with this self-righteousness trying to earn it, my view of God and how God views me will be how I handle other people. Because if I think God is handling me with impatience, are you serious you messed up again? How do you think I'm going to handle other people? If God has no patience for me, I won't have patience for other people. If, if God is, looks down at me and has no mercy or grace, I won't have any mercy or grace. If I'm constantly a disappointment to God... People will constantly be a disappointment to me. If God's up there folding his arms saying, I'm trying to fix you, then I'll stand, I will look down at people, say, Look, what's wrong? All right, look, if you just do what I do, you wouldn't have the problems you have in your life. Let me fix you. You know, have you ever heard someone describe someone as self righteous and that be a good thing? No. Because there's always an implication, if someone's self-righteous, there's always an implication for how they're treating other people. Self-righteousness chokes out love, but the gospel releases it. Amen. When I wake up every morning and I'm, it's not like I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got the gospel, it's up on the shelf, you know, I got me in, now back to religion. When, I, when it's every morning is the gospel again, Jesus, we both know I'm imperfect and I'm again today, a new day, awed that you love me. It's joy, new every morning. I, Jesus, thank you that your grace is new. I'm not in a pit that i got to climb out of. Grace is new. It's not my own self-righteousness. I have the righteousness of Christ on me. That's how you view me. And I know that I'm imperfect. You're aware of that. You're helping me along, but you love me, and your face is shining down on me, and you hear my prayers, and you're working all things together for good, and you're bringing blessing into my life in all different ways. And when I start at that, it's rest. It makes sense when Jesus says My yoke is easy and my burden is light because I left my burdens at the cross. And I, I rest in that and it's filled with joy. And so when my foundation is grace, how I think God looks at me, that's then how I treat other people. God, you know I'm imperfect, but you have grace on me. I know you're imperfect, but I know that you are beloved of God too. I'm going to treat you with that dignity and that grace. I know God has patience for me, so I'm going to have patience for you. I, I know that, that grace is humbling for me, so I'm not going to treat you with pride like I can fix anything. I, I need grace just as much as you do. We're on this journey together. The gospel unleashes love into our lives. And then there's one other thing you have to see out of this text. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. He says this, he says, um, no one's ever seen God. He's a spirit. No one's ever seen God. But when we love one another, God is abiding, dwelling inside of us. And listen to this. His love is perfected in us. Can you think about that? What could that possibly mean? His love is perfected when we love one another. It's kind of like this. Have you ever done like a house project with um, a small child as your helper? Which usually takes about three times as long, maybe a trip to the hospital, you never know, Okay. But it's sweet, like you'd rather have it like that. Maybe it's a child a, it's a younger sibling or maybe it's a grandchild or your child. And, and let's say you're, you're hammering a nail into a piece of wood, okay? You, you're you're going to take it, you're going to hammer it in first because you don't want them to smash their finger. And you get it almost all the way in, right? And then you say, here, buddy, you finish it, okay? And then you back like way far away because you never know how that hammer is going to be swung around. Alright, and then they take it and they're hitting and they're I mean, there's like there's holes all over the wood. I mean, they're not even close. And then, like, just by random chance, they hit it on the head, right? There, the nail right on the head, drive the nail rest of the way in, and you say, You did it, buddy. Good job. Look, you hammered that nail in. I'm so proud of you. Who hammered the nail in? You hammered it all the way in and just gave him the last little tap. Why? You wanted him to be a part of it. This is what God is saying. He's saying, I am pouring my extravagant love out on the world, but I've wired it in such a way where I am using my people to be the last hit of the the nail. It's being perfected through you. I'm drawing you in because it's like God is saying here, it's like as a a spirit, we can't see God. It's like he's saying, I am sending you in the world and to each other to be the tangible presence of God, perfecting his love through each other in our lives. So there's an important truth. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. This is an important truth that we've got to understand from this text. Okay, it goes like this. His love, he is perfecting his love to you through others. And he is perfecting his love to others through you. He's wired us to need each other for his love to be perfected. Okay, this is an important thing for us to think about. Okay, just for fun, a couple days ago, I Googled the phrase, growing close to God. I just Googled it. And then I clicked on the the images tab on the Google results to just see all the images that might be associated with the phrase, growing closer to God. And the vast majority of those pictures looked something like this. Go ahead and pull up that, that first picture. Looked something like this. This guy walking alone on the beach, getting out in nature all by himself, left his cell phone in the car because he's super godly, <laughs> getting away from all those noisy people, him alone with God. A bunch of pictures like that. Another picture similar to that, I'm going to bring the next one. This lady on the mountaintop, just her God her journal, her Bible, okay? Just all alone, her and God. Okay, that's great. We have to have that alone time with God. But in the entire page, it was like there's only one of all the dozens of images that looked anything like this. Go on, bring this next one. There's only one image of people together associated with the concept of growing closer to God. Here they are with their Bibles open, with coffee, that's extremely important, okay, and growing closer to the Lord. They're praying together. They're praying for each other. And it was interesting to me that there's a dynamic. Maybe it's because we're just, very individualistic in our culture. But it was so it was interesting to me that the dynamic, our basic understanding of growing closer to God, our assumption is that primarily happens when we get space all alone, just us and God with our Bible and our journal. That's great. Please, please do that. That's essential. But it was very disproportionate to the idea of how we need other people in our relationship with God. And what this passage is saying is God is not visible. He's a spirit. When we love one another, his presence abiding in us is perfected in one another. It's talking about this incredible truth of how you and I are wired. We are wired to need each other in growing closer to God and experiencing the love of God. All right, I want you to look at these chairs over here. And I want to just walk through these. I've got um, three different types of chairs and they represent um, different environments that we're in. We have this purple chair, we have this couch, and we have that desk chair. And, and here in this, this purple chair, this represents the purple chair that, um, if, if you're here um, in this auditorium, you're sitting in one of these purple chairs, and this represents the weekend service at your church. And so the, this is a vitally important part of growing closer to God. And there's sometimes that people push so far, and well, it's just, it's just me and Jesus. I, I love Jesus. I don't get into organized religion. It's just me and, and Jesus. And so sometimes that person, at some point, I'm going through a really rough time. Let me just go into church and just kind of get a shot in the arm. Well, it's primarily just me and Jesus, and I'm doing fine. God and I are good. But man, if I'm just feeling like particularly guilty, like I messed up, then maybe I'll go to church one weekend. I feel good; it's it's me and Jesus. But if there's nothing else going on that weekend, then yeah, maybe I'll, I'll go to church and just kind of check it out and see what they've what they've got for me. If it can give me a little boost. But I don't know how else to say this other than just just very straightforward. What the Bible says, you cannot have a vibrant relationship with Jesus without being regularly active in a local church. You just can't. And I, I'd be doing you a disservice. you say, well, that sounds you know, self-serving for you to say that. It may sound that way. I'm doing you a disservice if I don't just shoot you straight. It says in the Bible, don't forsake meeting together. It's saying you need this chair. You need this environment. You need to be regularly, week after week, around people, together, learning how to express our love for God. Uh, maybe you've heard of a character from uh, the the uh, Middle Ages. His name is Martin Luther, and he is one of the most uh, influential figures in all of church history. He shifted the course almost entirely of the church um, through what God did through him. An incredible, incredible person. Hundreds and thousands of his sermons are still studied. He wrote multiple commentaries on the Bible, and I want you to hear this quote that he said. I've, I've, when I first time I read this, I never forgot it. This is what he said: "At home, in my own house, there's no warmth or vigor in me. But in the church, when the multitude is gathered together a fire is kindled in my heart and it breaks its way through. You know what Martin Luther just said? A lot of times my devotions when I'm alone with God are pretty dry. A lot of times I'm like, okay, I I think, but I don't know, Lord, what are you saying? And I'm sure not all the time, obviously, but a lot of times he says, but there's a dynamic when I come to church and I see other people that love Jesus and I'm, someone's greeting me. People know, know me, I know them. People are leading me to sing truths that, that God had prepared for me that, to sing, that I needed to sing. And I'm listening, God, why, why am I needing to hear this song? That's right, that's what's going on. And, and I hear the the scripture taught, and I'm studying it and learning from it, and my family's learning more about you, Jesus. What he says is there's something special about that dynamic of being in church that cannot be replicated. Why? He said it in here. He says God is, is perfecting his love. He's showing us his love, but he's gonna let it be perfected through how we love each other. You've gotta have the purple chair in your life. But there's another environment you have to have. You have to have the couch. You have to have the environment where you have Christian friendships that go more than a greeting and a hug on a Sunday morning or on a weekend service. That's important, you have to have this. But you have to have that environment of other believers who know you, who know how to pray for you during the week. Who know how to text you and say, hey, how'd that meeting go? Who know how to bring you meals when someone in your house is sick? Who know how to come visit you in the hospital? You have to have one another's. I mean, if, if we're going to fulfill this, we have to have one another's in our life, right? To, to, in order to love. We have to have one another's in our life. And by the way, you need those people in your life that you're praying for. And you're calling them, hey, man, I just uh, heard your prayer request. I just want you to know, man, I'm praying for you this week. You're making a meal for them. You're watching their kids. We have to have one another's in our lives That in order to fulfill what this is saying. Okay? The, the funny thing is he says our love is perfected. His love is perfected in us. See, sometimes the reason we don't want to go into a venue like a group and be in this In this chair, it's like, look, I don't, what if there's someone weird there? Of course there's going to be someone weird there. You're going. (laughs) What if there's someone difficult to love there? Of course there's going to be something difficult to love. I wonder if sometimes he's like, I put you in horizontal relationships to help you understand what your vertical relationship with me is like. Because some days you're like, oh God, I love you, praise God all you're doing, and then the next day you're like, God, I'm so mad at you right now. Some days you're just, God, you're the best, and I, I, I appreciate all your attributes, and the next day you just kind of ignore me. And what perfect love does is it's patient in the midst of that. And so yes, we're going to come into this environment where there's imperfect love happening, because it's helping our love be perfected. I'm gonna still be consistent in that person's life. I'm gonna still be patient. I'm gonna still have grace on that person. I'm gonna still, that's part of perfecting. He's perfecting our love through each other and showing God's love to each other. Remember, it's like that child. When you go to group and he's loving them through you, it's like that child with the hammer. Okay, you're like swinging it around all over the place. You might be doing damage as you're trying to hit the nail, but he is perfecting love through you. We need this one another environment to demonstrate love to each other. That is, according to Jesus, the marker of how the world knows that we're a follower of Christ and how we love one another. But there's one other environment here. It's, this is a desk chair, and this, this represents all the various ways we are out in the world. Whether it's actually in a desk chair at work, it's your neighborhood, it's your extended family, it's, it's at the school, it's wherever you are out in the world, do you realize you are the tangible representation of the love of God, Christian, Understand your responsibility. He's perfecting his love through the world through you, an imperfect vessel, but that is what he's sending you to do. What this passage is calling us to is something utterly profound. You see how central love is? It's our family trait as followers of Christ. And so here's, how, here's what the push has been for three weeks. This is why this has been so important. Three weeks, the application is just to simply take a step and enter into a venue where you can experience and express love because that's, that is fundamental to who, we're, who we are as followers of Christ. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. Right now, as in your seat, can everyone just pull out your, your cell phone? Can you go ahead and pull that out? You grab your cell phone? Go ahead and pull out your cell phone. There's also a card sitting on your, uh, your chair when you came in. The, the information that you need is also on that card. But I want you to take out your cell phone. And I want you to go on your cell phone, open your browser, and I want you to type in um, westpines.org groups. westpines.org groups. I want you to go ahead and type that in. And I want you, just to, sh- I want you to just know what this process looks like. It'll, it'll look like this when you go to westpines.org groups. Go ahead and bring up the first slide. Um, when you go there, you will see the groups page. And that groups page, you'll see, has all different kinds of questions. When you scroll to the bottom, you'll see at the bottom, there's a button that says, find a group. Looks like that right there. You can see it uh, says, find, the, find a group. W- press that, go ahead if you're following along on your phone, press that even if you're already in a group it's good for you to know this process so you can help someone else get in a group when you invite them to your group maybe when you press find a group this is the page that comes up you'll see a list of all the different groups for all different stages of life young adults um, there's some with kids some without kids some empty nesters whatever stage of life they're all parts of the community some on campus many in homes You'll see some are doing a study like marriage or parenting. Some are discussing what we talk about on Sunday and kind of working that out in their lives. You'll see some in Spanish, some in English, some with childcare, some without child care. And when you find a couple that seem like they might be a fit, you click on that group and then this next um, page will come up. It's an opportunity to email that leader. You can even email a couple of them if you want that you're interested in, you type in that information and just say in the body of the email, hey, I'd like more information about your group. You're not signing up, you're not committing your life away at this point, you're just saying, hey, I just want more information. And maybe to kick off this fall, maybe you try a couple of groups initially, but take the step, send out that email, our groups are kicking off this week, so this is the week to take that step, enter into a venue where we can practice that love. You may say, look, this is just a really busy fall. And I'm sure it is, absolutely. But there is, that's part of the reason we have groups, is because we can be so busy that we go months or years or maybe longer without practicing and positioning ourselves and being in the context to be able to express and experience love, the fundamental attribute of following after Jesus. At the end of the service, um, if you have questions, I encourage you to go about to that front lobby. You'll see the tent just outside. You'll see some group leaders there. Pastor Frank will be there, several of, of other volunteers. They will help you answer any questions you have about groups. Also, they have Chick-fil-A chocolate chip cookies there. You might want to go check that out, get a chocolate chip cookie. Although if you take a cookie and you're not in a group, we will find you, okay? <laughs> we will find you and hunt you down. No, I'm just kidding. Cookies are for everyone, but you can go there, ask questions, find a group. And um, we want this fall for us to be living up to what Jesus says. They should know that you're my follower because you are that active, extravagantly loving the people around you. And this is a first step to take in that. One last thing. If you're here, whether you're watching online or you're here with us, And you're saying, look, I I heard what you said about God loving me. And I know about Jesus, and I, I think I believe in Jesus, but I'm just not sure am I saved or not. You can make that absolutely certain today. Because he's offering his love to you as a free gift. He's saying, I send Jesus to die on the cross to pay for your sins. It's It's free. You can accept it just as you are. You don't have to go get cleaned up first. You don't have to start trying to get lovable first. Just accept it and start following after Jesus. And so I want to give you an opportunity to put your faith in Jesus today. Would you all just bow your heads and and close your eyes for a second? If you want to take that step and put your faith in Jesus, then right there in your seat, make these words your words quietly in your heart. Jesus, thank you for loving me. I believe you died on the cross and paid for my sins so I could be forgiven. I believe you rose from the dead and I believe that one day I too will be in heaven because of what you did, not about what I do. Thank you for saving me. And I want to follow after you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if that was you and you put your faith in Jesus, then I want to ask you just to let us know. If you're watching online, there's a place you can click. If you're here, if you would just take out your bulletin on that connection card, you can just tear that off and fill out your information on one side, and then you can check the box that says you put your faith in Jesus. Would you just fill that card out? Put that in one of the offering boxes around on campus. We just want to celebrate with you and let you know what the next steps are on this journey. Church, we're going to close with a song and just remind ourselves how much we're loved by God and express our love back to Jesus. Would you stand with me as we close with this song? Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call at 954 432 0321 or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org